Are you dating well? Have you dated well? What's going on there? And how should that be influenced by our Catholic faith? Certainly this one's for the singles, but hey, you married folks too. I think you're gonna get a lot out of it too. Today on the Catholic Money Show, we are very happy to be joined by, I wouldn't call them old, but they're old friends, two good friends who go back quite a ways with us. Mm-hmm. And they have a new project that they are working on about, I mean, a new, what do you, what do you, what do you I guess they'll tell us what they call they'll it. They'll tell us what they call it. But I'm excited <laughs> to hear more about that and this idea of dating well. We talk about a date night. Mm-hmm. And we certainly dated in our past. Still date. Now I'm curious if we did it well, if we did it the right way. Mm. So let's bring on. I'm sure we made some mistakes. (laughs) Yes, but let's bring on our friends. We have Joseph and Crystal Gruber here today joining us here on the podcast. Thank you guys for coming and welcome to the Catholic Money Show. Thanks for having us, Jonathan and Amanda. So happy to be here. Could you guys, as we, before we dive into the conversation and I am excited to have this conversation. I know you guys are passionate about this topic and you have so much to unpack and share. Can you just share with our listeners a little bit of how you became interested in this and then kind of began working with people um, around dating well and preparing for marriage and then living a healthy marriage? I think it starts with us not dating well, other people. (laughs) True. (laughs) (laughs) And then when we started to date each other, we wanted to, to do it well, and, and not just well, so that we had a, you know, clean story coming into things, but even just so that if things didn't work out between us, that it wouldn't hurt more than it needed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you had a strong aversion to having your heart broken into a million pieces. Yes. And I had a strong aversion to doing that. So I was like, what, what are the things that I could do that would be different that won't injure us one way or the other when we start dating and as we date? Yeah. And, and so we were very intentional and thoughtful and there was a lot of clarity in, in awkward conversations in our dating that once we got married, we realized a, that those things allowed us to enter into marriage really freely, which was great. Mm-hmm. And B, that what we did was uncommon. And C, I don't know why we're numbering, holding up fingers. But <laughs> You're numbering anyway, the letters. <laughs> numbering the letters. Here we are. Uh, that actually married life requires a fair bit of freedom and clarity throughout. Yeah. So, so that was something as we started exploring our marriage and how to continue to grow and improve our marriage, we realized that how we dated impacted our, our marriage. And so the same principles that we took into our approach to dating were really helpful to continue to walk us through married life as well. So that's how we got interested in the topic because we liked dating each other and we didn't like how we had dated other people. Hmm. And then we were Catholic missionaries on college campuses and we looked around and there was a question that I would ask the gentleman on the campus and it would be, where did you learn how to date? Because I intentionally asked male friends of mine what to do and how, what they did, especially the men who I admired. 
mm-hmm. and heard stories about what they were doing. I remember stories from you, Jonathan, about dates you took Amanda on. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it precisely that. <laughs> but I do want to be as intentional. I do want to be as in- there was one time when you were buying some sort of weird like flavor enhancing Ooh, the miracle fruit tablets. Miracle oh, that, fruit yeah. tablets. Yeah. And then we ate a pound of lemons. It was a great and I got day. an ulcer. Great day. <laughs> yeah. But like that kind of intentionality, I learned from you. And so I learned a lot of different lessons from a lot of different men. And so I would ask gentlemen, where did you learn how to date? It would be right along the same lines as me asking, where did you learn how to pray? Who taught you how to pray? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the answer for that usually was nobody for both the prayer and the dating. Well, for a long time, it was Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World was the most popular answer Mm -hmm. a number of years ago. But that's Orient Topanga. Yeah. Or Sean, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Get some hair straightener and handcuff yourself to the locker. There we go. That's it. First kiss. Uh, anyway, but but then men stopped having even that as an answer and they, they just mm. didn't have anything. And I think I was talking to a friend of mine recently about this very phenomenon. And he said, well, they didn't have no answer. They just didn't want to tell you the answer. They learned about mm. the relationship between the sexes from the Internet mm. and not the clean part of the Internet either. Right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense. A lot of people are conditioned to thinking, well, at least it's not what I'm doing isn't as bad as what I've been watching. Mm-hmm. And that's the bar. It's like, that's scary. Yeah. So when several, I, five years ago now, maybe we came up with, hey, we think we could teach people how to date. I think this was around the time that Six people years ago. stopped giving the answer Boy Meets World. And so we had a I don't know, 10 students and missionaries in our living room Thursday nights for a couple of weeks and taught some things about dating. And it was super fun and we loved doing it. And then that year at the big focus conference, I ran into the priest who is the new chaplain at my alma mater, who is bringing focus on board. And um, I was like, hey, we, we wrote these dating talks. We originally called it dating for nerds because it was systematic. There's like sort of of systematic. She wanted there to be a very clear flow chart. I literally wanted to make a a flow chart. (laughs) Like if this, then that, you know. Um, And he said, hey, why don't you come give a retreat for the students? I was like, oh, we could put this in a retreat format. And so we did. And we gave that retreat to a hundred students or so. And Three and a half years later, the students that had gone on that retreat as freshmen asked for us to come back their senior year and do this retreat again. So we were able to give it again to another hundred or so students. And it was so fascinating to see that the culture around dating on these campuses or two campuses that were present had had shifted They were super skeptical of us the The, first time around. The first time around, there was a lot of skepticism. There was a lot of, I don't know if this works. I don't know if you guys know what you're talking about. Maybe we'll give it a try. And then we gave a retreat like in the interim on something different. And we had like these real sweet couples like, oh, we're dating now because of your retreat last year. And, you know, some sweet things like that. But um, it there there was a shift when we went back three and a half years later and Things were different. And also in the interim between the two um, 
retreats, we recorded the content and publish it on our podcast as an eight part series on dating on our podcast. And those are downloaded like five times more frequently than any of our other episodes. So we had this realization of, I think, I think maybe we're on to something. <laughs> I think well, that, that this is content that people don't, aren't getting anywhere else. And we looked around and we, we Googled around and we asked around, is this something other people are providing for? Right. Like one of the common things in Catholic young adult groups is everybody's there to find Mr. or Miss Wright. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to admit it. And none of the material is actually geared for preparing people for the sacrament mm. of matrimony. So it's just mm. this like awkward, uncomfortable, like everybody knows why everybody else is here, but nobody's going to say it out loud. And we're not really sure what we're doing or what ne what's next. We're like, we have some answers for that. We have principles that can be applied. We have some practicals that you could try out. So here we are. And would you call this, I mean, clearly this is kind of like um, a call within a call, you know, to borrow from Mother Teresa. And we had something similar that kind of mm -hmm. happened to us. And, um, you know, you can almost see it because the Holy Spirit just starts to take take you in a new direction and, and bring opportunities to you and um, bring fruits from, you know, what you are offering to others. And so you could see this kind of happening and taking shape as time goes on. Um, do you, I guess, what do you call it? You know, you were struggling mm -hmm. with that earlier. Is it, does it feel more like a ministry or is it kind of a new apostolate for you? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Both. Um, I mean, so we have created a course that we call Dating Formation for Catholics. And so I, I think something that Joseph and I are both very passionate about is formation. Um, we've made major life decisions for ourselves based on the education of our children. We're involved in starting a high school. We spend a lot of time in our own formation. And so this idea of providing content that is formative at a deeper level than, than what I'll, that would, you know, there's, there's so much going on in the Catholic church right now. And there's so mm -hmm. many great, like, let's get you back. Let's come on, come on back and just entry level, like, Hey, you didn't know that the Catholic church had riches to offer. And, and here they are, which is amazing and wonderful. And, and praise be to God. I think there's, there's a handful of us Catholics in the world that um, have received that really well and want more. We're like, okay, if there's riches, <laughs> like, I feel like we're like, I don't know, playing in a couple of gems when there's like hordes of gold somewhere and like, let's go find the hordes of gold. So, so really having formation and a depth of formation is something that is really important to us and well, I think there's another piece to the whole story that I think is helpful. We got really involved in marriage prep at our parish. Mm -hmm. We're parish missionaries currently at a parish in Michigan. And we would host the one day like uh, engaged couple retreat day where we watch videos from Christopher West and facilitate discussion and we share our own story. And the mentor couples are there and we're really trying to facilitate relationships and have some good marriage preparation. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we noticed is like, they're hearing this stuff for the first time after they're engaged. Mm. 
So like, what did they think they were going to be getting in for before that? Like, what was the preparation that they were missing beforehand? So like the church, she teaches that there are three stages for marriage prep. And I think a lot of people don't know that. We're very familiar with marriage prep being from engagement to marriage. Mm -hmm. The church teaches that there's remote preparation, which is all of the preparation we receive sort of through osmosis by being raised in a family around other families, observing Mm. the marriage of our parents, observing other married couples. And, And that's supposed to be a formative influence on us to prepare our hearts for spousal love. And as parents, it's something we should be attentive to. Are we forming a real community of love, a communion of love here in this home that our, our children can just be taking in as part of the atmosphere? And do we also expose our children to other good, beautiful marriages so that they can see the way that we do it isn't the only way that is good? Hmm. So there's that stage, the remote preparation. And then there's this proximate preparation, which takes place basically from puberty on where we learn how to relate to members of the opposite sex, where we understand better who we are as, as a human being in a community, how we can be contributing to the common good, how we can be preparing ourselves for a life of familial love. So growing in virtue, uh, learning a trade, learning some sort of profession. That's all part of, of uh, proximate prep for marriage. And I don't think people have heard that before that the high school years, college years, young adult years, these are all supposed to be with a lens of preparing ourselves for spousal love, either for marriage, the sacrament of matrimony, or by living celibately in anticipation of the fulfillment of all that we desire in our heavenly union with, with God in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, but I don't think people cast those things in that light. Like they, they see them as very divorced from uh, the whole adventure of starting a family. And, and so we wanted to do more for this proximate prep. Like these men and women are living a kind of disintegration. And we, we want to provide something that will integrate all of the things that they're doing, all of the things that they're learning, trying, working on. And I, one of the videos that we show in this immediate prep marriage prep day is this sweet old couple And it's really cute and it's really fun. And it's like 12 minutes long. And we had this realization of we are trying to provide for these couples that come from broken families, what like their childhood should have been, but wasn't. We're trying to squeeze that into not only just the immediate prep, but oftentimes even just one day or one weekend of preparation. Mm -hmm. We're trying to serve all three stages. Well, you didn't receive a great formation remotely. You didn't receive a great formation approximately. And here for the immediate preparation, we're going to squeeze everything in. Yeah. So we just were, have been really feeling the the lack in what's possible to provide during immediate preparation. And there are things we can do for remote preparation for our own children. Praise mm-hmm. be to God. But we had this realization of there's this gap in regards to proximate preparation. And, and we feel like we can do something about that. And that it, it gives, you know, I think so often, especially when people desire a vocation, I, I talk to a lot of women who feel like shortchanged and sort of bitter about not having found their spouse yet. Hmm. And, and it feels, I think, especially as a woman really out of control and out of my hands, because if I'm not supposed to ask anybody out and what am I supposed to do? 
I think that this, or for, for men that maybe desire to ask somebody out, but they feel like all these women are totally out of their league. And how can I even handle this? That we're providing for people something where it's like, I can, I can do something. I can actively participate in this stage of life in a way that will also help me to be receptive to what God has in store for me. So as you were going through these, these stages, remote, proximate, immediate, uh, and in a, if there's anything in addition to the, like, there just wasn't a good example or, um, kind of skipped over it or something. What is, what's maybe like one of the biggest things that maybe that folks are doing wrong that maybe they don't even know? I, I think they're doing things kind of upside down oftentimes, mm-hmm. right? Like once I have my spouse, then we can worry about things like faith and then we can find, you know, the community that will fit us. It's like, well, the, the reality is the sacrament of matrimony is a sacrament directed for the salvation of other people. We don't get married for our own salvation. We don't get married so that we can save our spouse. We get married so that we two together can work for the salvation of others. Mm-hmm. And, and that means that we need to actually embrace the Christian life, that we need to become disciples of Christ, that we need to become missionary in outlook and, and to have that going into dating and to say, I'm, I'm not just trying to find the person who makes me laugh, although it's helpful, if the person makes you laugh and I'm not just looking at somebody who looks really cute, although it is helpful if they look really cute, but I'm looking at someone who I really want to live a good life with that. I want to, to share the Christian life with, which means that I need to be living the Christian life prior to, to going out and looking. And, and that provides a, a more healthy context because then I'm not looking for satisfaction from my spouse that I actually need to be finding in my relationship with God. Mm. And if I already have a community of good, authentic friendships, real virtue-based friendships, then I'm not going to be overly sharing with the person that I'm dating. Mm. You know, one of the scary things I hear sometimes uh, from a dating couple is, uh, you know, somebody saying, you know, I, I told them something I've never told anyone before. You, you should have close same sex friendships that hear those things before someone you're dating. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. And some people who know that feel stuck because they're like, well, I don't, I don't have those friends yet. Does that mean I shouldn't date? It's like, well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are some of the things I see the kind of getting things backwards Mm-hmm. The looking for validation, the looking for satisfaction. Um, I, I think there's there's a way of understanding the union of sexes. Obviously, there is a satisfaction to it. There is a kind of completion, right? Like we're designed for male-female relationships. That's kind of a given in the Catholic Church. Um, but like the, the reality is somebody could die tomorrow, not married, And if they go before God and they're really bitter toward him and say, you didn't give me a spouse in time, send me back. I reject you because I want a spouse more than I want you. 
Mm. That's a scary situation. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we we talk. Uh, we have our money together workshop where we talk with couples about how to merge their finances, how to take their their two financial lives and bring them into one so that it's not a source of stress and fighting and all that uh, in their marriage. And I'd say that definitely fits in the uh, immediate prep zone. Yeah. What is there to be done uh, in your view financially as you're, as people are g- going through the remote and proximate uh, realms or, or stages. Yeah. So I think especially in, in proximate preparation is a great time to work on personal financial literacy mm-hmm. so that you know what you're about and really um, getting clear on the language around what that means and what your goals are um, so that when you do start dating somebody, you have the language to talk about like, okay, just because you talk about spending within your means, like, do you have standing credit card debt? Like, just because you're not getting more, but you haven't paid, you know, somebody can say, oh yeah, I follow Ramsey's principles, but I actually have this maxed out credit card from 10 years ago that I haven't touched or something, you know, that like having the right language and and the right questions so that your own financial literacy is strong and your own financial situation is good. But then also that is such an important part of um, whether or not to even go past the first couple of dates. If you're really not on the same page financially, you can start to get a feel for that really fast. And I think that that that's something that, you know, is a great thing to do. And then I think in terms of the remote preparation, this is a place where how do we as parents educate our children? How do we share that? How do we have open and honest conversations? Um, Do our kids know if we're budgeting, how we do that, what that looks like? Do they know what our biggest financial priority is right now? Mm -hmm. Do they know how that factors into the rest of the life of the family Mm -hmm. and how we're making decisions about vacations, about uh, other kinds of uh, purchases, how much we eat out. Do, do they know that? Or is it just something that we're hoping they sort of guess at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think something we transitioned to very early on in our marriage is that we said we would never say the words, we can't afford that. We would use the language of that's not a financial priority for us right now. And I think that for us, you know, even though we haven't talked explicitly about it with our children, they're rather th- young, most of them. Yeah. I think they have a sense of like, they don't think we're poor. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they don't have, a, and like, and we're not, but we certainly are around people that make more money and less money, and, you know, and I, they just, I think for me, it was like, I don't want there to be poor talk in our house, but I do want to have a sense of what are our financial priorities. And so like our, one of our oldest son was asking something about like, well, we, our lawn doesn't look as nice as, you know, this person's lawn is like, well, (laughs) it's not ever going to, that's just not going to be a priority. Like we'll mow it. So we don't get like a fine from the city, but (laughs) also we have, we also have a different sort of philosophy when it comes to the purposes of lawns, right? There's something like contrary to, we don't need to get into it right now, Jonathan. <laughs> no, Amanda, we have but passionate opinions as well. We are not a lush green lawn yeah, family. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Your kids should see our lawn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I would rather expand our garden than worry about 
the the grass that doesn't feed anyone or clothe anyone. It it does nothing except <laughs> or get go except use up your water and your time when you got to cut it because you watered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we're on the same page. So, <laughs> yeah, and and I think you know, money, right? Like sex and money are some of the two biggest things that people fight about in marriage, right? And I think this is where like understanding fertility. I used to teach natural family planning. You know, these are things that when you are well-formed in these things. She taught Creighton for 10 years, Creighton fertility care. Yeah. And, and so when we're well-formed in understanding how our bodies work as women, understanding what, how money works and, and how can, how do we interact with it? These are all really important pieces of this proximate preparation for marriage. And they're, they're things that we can really actively participate in, regardless of whether or not there's somebody we could potentially date or not, which I think is really fulfilling. Um, yeah. And helps to combat the, the temptation to despair. Hmm. I want to go back to something that you had said earlier, <clears throat> just something that I've been pondering on as we've been discussing this. Mm -hmm. Um, You meet couples, you know, at this one day engaged prep, you know, where you got to cram everything in and you're in, in many ways, not just doing the immediate prep that they critically need, but you're also in many ways squeezing in the proximate and that remote prep all into one, which is almost impossible. And I would say, I feel that we do the same thing. We oftentimes meet people even past marriage and we have to kind of go back and redo everything up mm-hmm. to that point. And I'm, it's got me wondering, you know, what's the crisis here? Why are we not being formed in the things that we need to be formed in to live our lives mm-hmm. according to God's wisdom in, in a variety of facets? And I think that it there might, there might be something bigger here. And this is just me wondering out loud, but mm-hmm. has this something you guys have noticed in other areas in addition to just relationships? Oh, for sure. I mean, we talk often about how we, we, we say, we just want to change the culture. That's all. <laughs> you know, like, Cause I do, I think there's the, the disorder of priority of what is important to me and, and why is it important to me? Because, you know, it's very common I mean, I don't know in our town, I'm guessing this is in most, especially small town America, you know, the Friday night football and that football is a priority. And then there's Sunday morning football practices, which are a priority over going to mass for so many families. And, and there's this, this sense of, for a lot of these families, they don't, it wasn't a conscious choice of like, oh, I'm going to make football my idol. Mm-hmm. I, I, I consciously in full, um, awareness choose football to be my God. I think, you know, if you talk to these families, that's not what they want. That's not, not what's really good. There's just a being swept up into the culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, our, our podcast is called a word from our outpost. And, and we've been talking more and more about what does it mean to be an outpost An outpost in militaristic terms is um, a post behind enemy lines. And this idea that we want to be an outpost for the kingdom of heaven, but as long as we are in this world, we are behind enemy lines. And I think 
what has happened, especially in the Catholic church in America is we have forgotten that we're outposts for the kingdom of heaven and the enemy's mm. stuff is like in, even in the outposts. Mm. And, and so learning how to tease out what are the ways that I am still really impacted by the culture around me and what are ways that I need to, to surrender that and, and learn virtue and pursue holiness. And I mean, that's sort of a silly example is coming to mind right now, but um, we bought a home about a year ago and I have like been, there's a particular kind of shelf that I want. And I found something that was like super close, the closest I've seen in a year of looking. And I came home. I was like, I want to go get these shelves. And Joseph's like, this is not a financial priority. Like, let's look at the numbers. Like, where's that going to come from? And I was like, you're right. It's there. It's just, it's not there right now. Well, then we got given like the exact amount of money in cash that this, these shelves were. And I went back and they're not there anymore. Right. And it's like, here, I just am like, so like, but I just want these shelves. And you know, the, our home and hospitality, these are all things that are important to us. And like, someday we'll get the right shelves, but but it's not right now. And I just need to be okay with that. And like, here, I'm just like, I have been so opposed to stuff for so long and here I'm getting like <laughs> wrapped up in it. It's just an awareness of hmm. how is the culture seeping in and in what ways? Well, speaking of the culture, we, we have this twisted notion of culture as something that we take in or absorb or consume because we've been used to watching sitcoms where we watch other people in their living room or other people in their kitchen rather than living life in our living room or living mm -hmm. life in our kitchen. And we forget that the family is actually the originator of culture. Like we, mm -hmm. we create culture from the home outward. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know that we're not going to be intentionally doing it. And so a lot of our financial decisions, it's, it's not just, um, do we have enough money in our rainy day fund? It's also, are we actually creating the culture that we want to be creating? How mm -hmm. much money does that actually cost? Oftentimes yeah. not that much. Right. If we're creating yeah. culture, if we're consuming culture, that often does cost mm. quite a bit. But if we're creating culture, it doesn't cost as much. Yeah. And so like for our family, we, we're not involved in a lot of things, but one of our rules is that I try to always my, my, one of my things is I want, always want to have room for one more. So like my guest bedroom is almost always made up fresh for somebody to come stay the night. If you need Until to come the stay kids the night, jump on the bed. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. I always try to have enough dinner. So that if somebody shows up at my house at five o'clock at night, I can mm. invite them to join us for dinner at five 15. And, and so, um, and that for us is part of the kind of culture we want to create. We want to create a culture of hospitality. We want to create a culture of shared living. And so, okay, my grocery budget is probably more than it could be if I wasn't doing that, but we've decided that that's a financial priority. And so that's something that's important to us. I think your original question is like, what was lost from generations ago? when people maybe had their heads on, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think we can be a little bit um, like rose tinted glasses looking mm, at the past yes. and thinking they, oh, they, they were living the true Catholic culture and we, we aren't, you know, we're, we're in the present moment. 
to make mm-hmm. the choices yes. in the present moment. And at any moment, at every moment, God draws close to man, right? At all times and in every place, God draws close to man, mm-hmm. which means right now, as our listeners are listening to this, God is drawing close to them. I can guarantee it. God is drawing close to them because at all times and in every place, God draws close to man. And so like the, the next moment is a moment when things can change mm-hmm. because we can make a different decision. We can surrender our wills to God. We can uh, rise up in gratitude to him and do the right thing. And yeah, I think a lot of people are doom and gloom and we're not trying to be doom and gloom about right. all of this. Yeah. Austin, I've thought about, um, you know, we're in a time that, you know, some people going down the doom and gloom would say it's so noisy, it's chaotic. We've also never had an easier time where you can access the true good and the beautiful as easily and readily as you can right now. Um, and so mm-hmm. don't despair. Um, these, you know, the way the Holy Spirit wants to meet you is in our present moment with our present culture and, you know, the internet and all the things. And, um, while there are many distractions, there are so many opportunities, um, and disciples are using the internet more and more to actually communicate hope and encouragement. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love what you guys are doing, um, for helping form, people in those years as they're preparing for marriage and even after, but just filling that gap of making sure that people aren't just thinking that these are the lost years. Cause I remember having that mm-hmm. temptation myself, you know, marriage will fix me or I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out on the other side of marriage instead of figuring it out during these years. And then that's just a gift and a blessing to my marriage. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love what you guys are doing. How can listeners, especially those who are single and they're in that window, how can they continue to, to work with you guys or continue this ongoing formation as they're preparing for that vocation? So if you want to hear or find out more about our course, you can go to dating.ouroutpost.org. Um, and that has information about the course and then links to buy the course. Um, and it's $10 a month. Which is okay. like the same cost as taking someone out on a date. So actually consider it cheaper. That's a coffee and a donut. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted it to be just really, really accessible. Um, and then uh, if you're not quite ready to, uh, to jump on to that, you can on that same page get onto our mailing, our email list, and we'll send more information. We've got some some emails that come out if you want to find out more before committing to the course. We've also been podcasting for what four years now, almost. Yeah. So we, and have, we have this eight part series. We have an yes. eight part series on dating. It's in the like sixties of yeah. the episodes, <laughs> starting at like sixty five or so. Yeah. And but if folks want to find your, po- we'll put a link below, of course, but if they're, they can't be typing or clicking right now, uh, what would they search for in their podcast app? A oh. word from our outpost. Perfect. Good, good. And I'll, I'll just want to say this. I, uh, we, 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 we've had, we've talked, uh, I don't know if it was well on the podcast, but other things before, um, or just chatting as friends or whatever. I, I'm also such a big fan of the things you guys do and the discussions we have because 
you guys just have a gift of being it's everything's really well thought out and everything is um i don't know if this makes sense because i'm is really well thought of. So like it makes sense, it's clear, there's a process, but it's also deep, though still accessible. Um, so it's, there's been pondering, there's been wondering, there's it, it all comes out. And so it's always a treat mm-hmm. uh, to chat with you like today. And, uh, well, and I'm part, sure all that's in the, in, in the course as well. Part mm-hmm. of your, what makes your family unique, I remember this from when you taught us how to discern this ourselves. One of their things is that they share the fruits of their contemplation. Mm-hmm. And Good I'd memory. say that that was exactly what we just heard. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> well, thank yeah, you for so that. I'm glad that we go. can be convicted of <laughs> sharing the fruit of our <laughs> contemplation. So go get your wicker baskets and go fruit picking uh, over with Crystal and Joseph at our dating dot our our outpost dot org. <laughs> it is a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us on the Catholic Money Show this week. For everybody who's listening, until next time. Bye for now.